Second hour on this Friday morning. Hope everybody's having a good start to your day. Darren, Donnie, and Chase here on 1025 The Game. Don't forget, this is the hour for your chance to qualify. Winter Classic Celebration Flyaway. You know that grand prize. We've been qualifying people all week and next week before we announce the grand prize winner next Friday at 5.30 p.m. That trip includes round-trip airfare to Dallas, hotel accommodations in Dallas, a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinner at American Airlines Center on New Year's Eve, and, of course, a pair of tickets to see the Winter Classic, to see the Predators and the Stars at the Cotton Bowl on New Year's Day. Prizes courtesy of Outback Presents. For more details, visit the game, Nashville.com. We say hello to Mike Rupp, NHL Network. You can watch the Stanley Cup champion uh, and the NHL Network analyst Mike Rupp on NHL tonight, 5 p.m. Central today. Throughout the regular season, uh, you can visit NHLnetwork.com for your local channel listings. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. You know a little bit about the Winter Classic as a player, don't you? Yeah, I've been in a couple of them. That's one of the best memories of, of being a player in my career. So, yeah, no, it's uh, something to look forward to. You guys getting jacked up for it down there? Yeah, we've never obviously been a, a part of it. And so, yeah, we are taking the show on the road. We are all going to Dallas. We'll be doing a radio show down there, and, of course, we'll be covering the game. And, uh, you know, they're saying 80,000, 90,000 people at the Cotton Bowl. And so to experience something like that, I kind of view it as a once-in-a-lifetime, and we're, we're jacked up. What was it like as a player? It was just it was just unique. I mean, it was – I think that when you think back of the beginning of hockey, when it's kind of in its purest form, it's played outside, and you get to feel the breeze kind of come blown through your jersey and – um, you know that that's it. Really does they do a great job of capturing that same feeling that you probably had as a kid playing outdoor hockey for a lot of us. And um, it's it it's very it's the unique thing about it is that it feels way bigger than just two points in the standings. So you got to kind of manage that on both sides of it. Because I I was a part of one that we lost, and I was a part of one that we won. And uh, so I think that that's the biggest thing as a player is it feels huge. I mean, it feels like you've, it feels like you're, <laughs> you're playing in a, a, a gigantic playoff game. And uh, I think that that's one of the things you have to manage afterwards, enjoy it during, but afterwards, whether you win, you really haven't accomplished anything. <laughs> and then when you lose, you still got a long season ahead of you. So uh, there's, you know, there's, there's ways to, uh, you got to find ways to get back on track. Obviously, you don't play in open air. You don't play in front of a crowd that size. So how how different is it for a player? And I know you had success, I believe, in, what, 2012. You had a couple of goals in that Winter Classic game. But, but what is it like as a player to hear that roar? Like I said, they're, you know, we're expecting to, to be a part of eighty to 90,000 people at the Cotton Bowl. What is that like to feel that on the ice during a game? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really different feeling um, rather than being in an arena, it's uh, obviously a lot more people because, I mean, I, I the ones I played in didn't have the numbers that we're talking in the Cotton Bowl, but even being in a in a baseball stadium or or an NFL stadium that I've been in, the crowd is like a, there's a slower build to the cheering, but it's the when they peak, it's, it's really powerful. I mean, it's something I've never experienced before. I think at times because of the placement of the the rink in the stadium, you have there's a little bit of a delayed reaction with you know say there's a, a 
post that's hit or a big hit or something on those lines. It takes a couple seconds. Then you just kind of feel the, the build of the crowd, and um, it, it's, it's unique. It almost feels like, uh, I don't know, it, it, it just it feels like just a, a thunderous, slow build, and then when it peaks, I mean, you feel it, and you, you, uh, it's, it's unlike anything else. Uh, but when you're playing, it's, it's almost to the point where it doesn't feel like there's even a crowd there at times because it's just a really weird, unique feel. The fans are usually on top of you in the arenas, and this time they're not. I said this morning that after uh, last night's game in Colorado, which obviously was uh, not did not go the Predators' way, the second period was just a complete meltdown. I think uh, five goals in four and a half minutes for Colorado, and they skated away with the nine four victory. The first time in Predators franchise history they've ever given up nine goals in a game, which is hard to believe. But that did happen last night. I said this morning, you know, a lot of times through the course of an eighty two game season, you just have those clunkers and. Usually my standard line over the years has been just wad it up and throw it in the trash and move on. But this one I said, you know what, I, I'm not going to say that. This one you, you keep with you. This one needs to sink in. This one you need to feel heading to Northern California when you take on the Sharks tomorrow night in Vancouver on Tuesday to finish out this road trip. Like You, you need to take this one with you. You, you played it. Well, how do you feel about it? And when you had those nights when just nothing went your way as a player and as a team, how did you handle it? How did the team handle it? Yeah, no, I think you're right. You, you, you certainly have those nights in the season where you just got to chalk it up. You know that it's not you. It's not your team identity, and it's nothing that you you do consistently as far as having those off games. So, yeah, you want to throw those in the trash. The only problem I have with yesterday's game is it happened with a team that you. I just have a feeling you're going to have to go through to get to where you want to be. So this is all throughout the season. You want to you want to establish the um, you want to establish plant the seed of doubt in, in some of those teams, right? And the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. And I don't know. I, I just think that in the game, probably for both teams, neither team probably played to the level that they wanted. I mean, you have uh, it's you know it, you don't have the full lineup in in Colorado, and for them to able to score that many goals against you it's it can't be a great feeling and you just got to try to find a way to you know have that chip on your shoulder and carry it on because you got to start sending a message I think the biggest thing for Nashville and Colorado I mean honestly in that division in that central division if you want you, you got to finish first or you got to finish fourth uh, you don't want to play two or three <laughs> come playoff time because that's that matchup we talk about and the way that the league's set up uh, these two teams are probably going to see each other, and you're going to have a very good team knocked out earlier than they should be in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, you want this game. You want to take some of it with you. So the next time you match up, you want to say, hey, we got to start playing that seed of doubt because we did a poor job last time. So when you look at the division, we, we know that the Blues are the defending Stanley Cup champs. They've got one of their star players out for a long time before he's reevaluated. They haven't missed a beat since that's happened. You just mentioned, alluded to Colorado. Uh, they didn't have two really important guys in Landeskog and Rantanen. And, oh, by the way, they're starting goaltender. And Grubauer wasn't in the lineup either. And you see what they can do. You've seen the Predators. The lay of the land in the division. How do you, how do you see that as we move forward, I mean, into the second month of the season? Well, I, I think that when you look at the teams, I mean, those – 
those teams you just mentioned, um, it's they're built well. Health is obviously a huge concern with the teams. Um, I, I just think that this this is a very unique situation I feel in Nashville because I would say as long as this team has been in Nashville, we've never really talked about, and they probably have never been leaders. I don't want to say probably. I'm pretty confident they have never been up to the top of the league in goals for. They are this year, and they're scoring goals. They're they they can beat you multiple all different ways, and I, I just feel like this is a year that barring being healthy, I think this is a year for Nashville to really to get back to where they want to be, and that's the Stanley Cup Finals. But it's hard because you look across the league and, and you what the St. Louis Blues did last year and the structure they play with, and that the way they've been playing this year, even with Tarasenko being out, that team kind of scares me. I mean, I think that they took what they, they they took that experience last year. I thought they'd have a little bit of a reset this year and drop back. They're better now. Uh, Colorado is a team that I put them in a category probably with the – they're a little further ahead of schedule right now than the New York Rangers, but those two teams for the next, you know, five-plus years are going to be absolute contenders every year. So this is kind of that spot, I think, where the National Predators got to make their move and uh, there's some real powerhouses, and you look in that division, and another team that's starting to find their way is the Dallas Stars. Uh, so they've got some ground to make up. But, I mean, you again, you don't want to finish second or third in that division. That's going to be a nightmare first round. Mike Rupp from the NHL Network is here with us on Darren, Donick, and Chase. And you, you brought up the offense for the Predators, and they really didn't make you know major changes except for the addition of Duchesne and the subtraction of of P.K. Subban, added an assistant coach in Dan Lambert. So what is it that you see from the 10,000-foot the view that has changed with this offense with the Preds? I've been getting some time to let guys settle in there. Um, you know, you, you talk about even when you look back to last year, and some of those players are not there. But, you know, I mean, it was – when you, that team went and got Wayne Simmons, when they got uh, – Brian Boyle, when they when they got um, you know Mikel Granlin, they got these guys like everybody was kind of getting moved all around the place. Now you're starting to see with some of those guys gone, you got Granlin still there. They're starting to get some continuity. You get Duchesne in there, and I think now that you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And geez, I would even go look as far as what happened in St. Louis last year. It takes time, and in the first half of that year, St. Louis made so many off-season moves, great off-season moves the prior year. To winning the cup in the in the off season, it took almost half a year for them to start feeling, you know, where guys are slotting in. I think Nashville has started to figure those things out. Matthew Shane's been very seamless transition. I think that's key because when you make a big off season acquisition like that, you want to make it work. And sometimes you got to move a bunch of pieces around to make it work. And they haven't really seemed like they had to do that. So uh, we know about the great decor, a decor that's so good that you can trade a PK Subban. Um, the goaltending, Pecorine has been one of the best, uh, one of the best regular season guys for a long time, and um, you know that that's still there. So I, I think all the pieces are there, the hunger's there. Um, this is this is probably the best chance I see for the National Predators. They're not surprising anybody, but this is the best team I've seen in Nashville since they've gotten there. You bring up the decor, and you know Roman Yossi, the captain, just got the big deal. That's it's what a lot of people talk about, but. 
Another guy that I have been very impressed with this season has been Ryan Ellis. He played in all 82 games last year, but there was something that was just seemed off with him, and he battled through some some injuries and all of that. But now he's second on the team in points with 16. You can see just you know how good he is offensively and defensively. What have you seen out of Ellis? Yeah, I really like him, and, and, and Ryan Ellis is a player. He's got a big-time shot. He can change the game with his shot. He thinks a certain way. He's gritty. He'll get in there. I love the way he blocks shots. He does everything he wants a defenseman to do. Um, you got, I give him a lot of credit the way that he's come from junior hockey into this league, and he's he's developed, and I think that he's in the right organization to develop. When you look, at, maybe he doesn't get the notoriety nationally, that he should, but that's because of the way this decor has been built over the years. Uh, there's so many guys who kind of take that limelight. Um, but I think it's awesome. It's perfect for him because he's been able to come along now, and, and that's a huge piece. Uh, he's a guy, he's a difference maker, and he could change the game, like I said, real quick with his shots. So, um, you know, Roman Yossi's a, a guy that I, I would – I think Roman Yossi's the best defenseman, all-around defenseman in the league. Um, I, uh, eh, hold on, I'll maybe put him at number two. I Victor Hedman to me just a little bit more, but I mean you're talking about a lot of great defensemen in the league, and, and Roman Yossi's like my one B um, in, in the league. So uh, the, these guys are all learning together; they're getting it done together. And one of the most underrated ones in the past probably four years has been Matthias Ekholm. So. Uh, this this decor is in a great spot with those guys and the contributions and growth of guys like Ryan Ellis. We totally agree with you, but we're very biased. Uh, Mike, really appreciate <laughs> the visit, as always. Thanks for doing this, and we'll be watching today. Awesome, guys. Thank you. All right, that is Mike Rupp, NHL Network, and he will be a part of the team for NHL tonight at 5 p.m. today on NHL Network, and we appreciate him joining us. He was in two Winter Classics as a player, had a couple goals and one, so he certainly understands the memory. You'll have a chance to qualify for that incredible trip this hour. So this hour, your next opportunity after this hour will be at 3 p.m. in the 3 o'clock hour today. Remember, when you hear that Predators player give you the cue to call, identify that player and call in and tell us who that player is. And if you're the first one to do so, you will be qualified. So just be listening this hour. We'll come back more of Darren, Donnie, and Chase next. Well, there was some good news and bad news for the Ohio State Buckeyes. The good news is they looked at the schedule and went, oh, sweet, we got Maryland Saturday. Oh, we're only a 43-point favorite? Only. Against the Terrapins? The bad news is they'll have to beat and cover that spread without their stud, Chase Young. Remember when they came out with the rankings? Remember I said Wednesday show? I said, golly, it looks like at least they're paying attention. And I know it's not really hard to dig up anything on Chase Young. You don't really have to watch the film. You can just talk to anybody and realize this cat's special. It's kind of like Bosa last year. Right. Nick? Like it, you, you just, just kind of know. Like you just know. And so Chase Young is, I mean, he's off the charts. I mean, he's ridiculously good. I mean, I've already seen stuff out there. He could be the number one pick in the draft. It's, that would not Yeah, I mean, top three for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's just Depends that good. Now, has the, it, the bad it. news is they'll – have to do it without him because there's a pending NCAA issue now with Chase Young. And the latest is he's not going to play. And that the school, so he 
tweeted this out. Unfortunately, I won't be playing, or somebody tweeted this out for him. I don't know. But unfortunately, I won't be playing this week because of an NCAA eligibility issue. I made a mistake last year by accepting a loan from a family friend I've known since the summer before my freshman year at Ohio State. I repaid it in full last summer, and I'm working with the university and the NCAA to get back on the field as soon as possible. I want to thank my family, teammates, coaches, and the whole Ohio State community for all the love and support. God bless and go Bucks. That was tweeted out, what, this morning? Yeah, looks that way. Yeah. So so basically, he needed some money. Yeah, that was this morning. Took a loan, paid the loan back, but that's against the rules. Because you accepted, I guess they view it as you accepted a gift or... However, even though he paid the money back, I said the NCAA investigator <sighs> is they, that he the point the problem with the NCAA. Um, this is their attorney. He took a small loan from a close family friend last year to cover basic life expenses. Loan was repaid months ago, and we're working to restore his eligibility. So, Max, you were saying during the break that he has to the burden of proof is. For Chase Young, I guess, in his side to prove what to the NCAA? Yeah, this is just what I've seen reported on Twitter over the last hour or two. Basically, with the information we have, and there is always information in these cases that stays private to the school, their compliance office, and the NCAA. So there there are always going to be factors we don't know about. But based on what's public and based on what Chase Young chose to say, his burden of proof is he needs to prove that he knew this individual, a family friend, as he termed it, not because he's an Ohio State football player, or he knew this person before he became an Ohio State football player. Right. If this person is giving him money... this is an agent. You know, making sure this is not an agent. Or somebody affiliated with an agent. uh, A middleman. to commit to the school. Yeah, yeah, or, I mean, anybody that's just, well, yeah, you're a really good football player, I'll help you out. You know, he's just... Well, or that too. Like, I'm just a big fan. Here you go. Yeah, or booster or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Look, I. And so, I don't know the dynamics. I, we don't know. I, I have not read anything that hints one way or the other on where this is going. I don't know if this is going where, oh, don't worry. He'll he'll get restored, his eligibility restored, and this will all blow over after this week against Maryland. I haven't seen anything, uh, or I haven't seen anything of, uh oh. This thing's about to get really hairy, and don't be surprised if he's lost for the season. I haven't seen anybody weigh in with a strong opinion. I know it hasn't been out that long, but I haven't seen anybody weigh in with a strong opinion one way or the other unless you guys have seen something. I no, haven't. I, I haven't either. I mean, it, it's another one of these cases with the NCAA and the gray area and you know all of that. That I mean, it, if this is the truth, if this is the actual story that – he needed a loan, and he took a loan from a true family friend, then, yeah, this should go away. I was going to say it should go away pretty quickly, right? Yeah, if they can it, should prove be, that. it should be done. And the NCAA be like, okay, cool. All right, you're good. Thanks for letting us know. But How did this get out? That's another thing. It's never about. cut and dry like that. By the way, he's from Maryland. I mean, is this... Is this Maryland? <laughs> is this Maryland the Terrapins going? Out. Let's see. What's our best chance to to cover this game? I didn't say win the game. To cover this game, let, let's get Chase Young out of the game. I mean, I don't. How did this come out? And why now? I don't know. Things always find a way of, you know, making their way out. If he's leaking out, if he's done for the year, and I know Bosa was different last year. Like he chose, right? He chose to sit out. 
He was right. just like, I'm done. I've got too many. The injury was against, uh, wasn't it the game against TCU? I think that was the game. And he just said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just focus on my my professional career. So I'm, I'm shutting it down. This, If he's done for the year, I mean, this is two massive hits to the defensive side of the ball for Ohio State two years in a row. I mean, these are, what did Bosa end up going, two to the 49ers here in Nashville, right? He was the number two pick overall. Yep. And Chase Young's going to be one, two, or three as well. Be there. So I, like I said, I don't know where this is going. If this is, if this is, and then, and by the way, how much will this affect the room? Right? They discuss this stuff. If he's out of the picture, they'll have to weigh that in moving forward yeah. with the rankings. I mean, it, it will affect Ohio State even if they don't lose. They, they like they cruise to victory over a bad I mean, he, Maryland team. If they, if it comes out. Like he's done for the year. This dude is in conversation for the Heisman. Yeah, that 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 will affect their ranking. Yeah, I it, mean it's look, and there are times where like you know I I'm reminded of the uh, in a, a different situation, but Ohio State. So that's why I'm bringing this up. But the Terrell Pryor thing, you know, making money off the autographs, and with that you kind of go, oh, okay, well you you know you're not supposed to do that. But then with this, like if he legitimately needed money, like, hey, I got to pay bills. I need money. And this this friend is like, I got you. Pay me back. I got you. And then he pays him back. Then this this is where well, I hate the NCAA. is it a friend NCAA. or is it a family member? Well, a family friend. friend. Family friend is what it was. By the way, what is the difference? In a, is there a difference? In a friend and a yeah. family friend? Yeah. Well, I... If if it's just a loan and you paid it back and you yeah. prove that, is there a difference? And they're I, not affiliated with anybody. They're just truly no, there a, shouldn't be a difference. someone from the neighborhood, you know. Yeah, I mean. They're, they're, I don't know the answer. I'm just. I don't just either, but there, there. there shouldn't be a difference. I mean, if, if, if they are not affiliated with the Ohio State University in any way and they're just a friend. But this, this article, though, is it keeps hinting at family. Family friend. Yeah. So. Okay, family friend. Yeah, I mean that doesn't make you a family member. That's just a, you're a friend of the family. Yeah, he's a friend of the Youngs. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if it's Bob, the next door neighbor. And they or... need to know when did he become a friend of the Youngs? When uh, Chase became really good at football. Yeah. Well, they it said before his freshman year <laughs> at Ohio State. So I I don't know. But the, this is where, like again, my point is if if this is all it is, then this is just nitpicky. And this is where I get annoyed with the NCAA. I understand you have to – there are rules. Rules are rules. But this should go away pretty fast if they can prove that, okay, this guy's just a friend. Helped him out. He paid it back. You're done. It's all good. Yeah. We'll come back. Richard Deitch from The Athletic. Haven't talked to him in a while. We will speak to him next. You just made the list at high noon. We'll do that on the other side. Darren Donnegan Chase, ESPN 1025 The Game. In lieu of the Alabama-LSU game tomorrow afternoon down in Tuscaloosa, you want to prove everybody you're the biggest Alabama fan out there? You've got a chance to win a cabin on the Crimson Tide Cruise. That'll be February 10th through the 15th. It's the second annual. It will set sail from New Orleans to Cozumel to Yucatan, Mexico, on board the Carnival Valor. It is going to be a national champion-worthy vacation with your favorite Alabama sports legends. You can send us a picture 
via Twitter using the hashtag BamaCruise, hashtag BamaCruise, or you can upload a picture at the game, Nashville.com. You can book the cruise at CrimsonTideCruise.com. It's CrimsonTideCruise.com. Get $150 off with the promo code GAME. Promo code GAME. So that should be a lot of fun. I know there were some people that um, did it last year and really enjoyed it. And My guess is year two will be even bigger and better. I'm just glad that you can say Cozumel, and unlike Nick Kale that called it Kazumel and gave <laughs> us one of the best moments in morning drive history. Well, it does look like Kazumel. Yeah. But Demumbrian looks like Demon Bruin. And tourists will say Demon Bruin. <laughs> I know it's Demumbrian, but that's okay. I'd like to go to Cozumel or Kazumel. Yeah, I'd be good with either. Yeah. They're both warm. Warmer than I it think is today. So. I think Kazumal is warm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I remember you guys having fun with that. Oh, so good. I just, I, I mean, remember. Did everybody just fall out of their chair when he did it? No, it, it was one of those. Derek and Braden didn't really catch it. And I go, he's doing the read. I go, wait, 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 wait. He's like, what? And I go, what did you just say? And he's like, looking at he's the like, copy. Uh, Crimson Tide Cruise? And I go, no, 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 no. The city of Mexico. And he goes, Kazumal. I'm like, Kazumal. He goes, yeah. I'm like, Cozumel. <laughs> And Braden then grabs the coffee and he goes, dude, really? <laughs> it was fantastic. But that's the last time he's called it Kazumal. Yeah, but it's it's been one of the best moments of, of the show. <laughs> that's funny. Richard Deitch from The Athletic. It's been a while since we've caught up with him. Richard, how you doing? What's going on, guys? We're having a little fun with uh, an Alabama cruise uh, that we're giving uh, somebody to be a part of a uh, to be a part of it away and so we were hitting a little bit on the alabama lsu game you hit on the alabama lsu game this week with a couple of folks from cbs this is the college football game of the year to this point it'll be this saturday afternoon uh what was that discussion like well yeah i talked to the uh producer and director for cbs craig silver and steve milton they've been doing these games for a long time they've done previous very big alabama games Including one versus two uh, before. I know this is, uh, you know, depending on how you look at it with the playoffs, you know, two versus three or one versus two. But it's a big game. And one of the things that I appreciate from them is they, they acknowledge that things are different. You know, the nerves are bigger for camera people. Um, they get a little hype. They don't want to miss anything. CBS has brought in additional cameras for this game. They have a lot for the SEC on CBS, but. They brought uh, additional ones, including um, some really high-tech ones where they can uh, capture some images of people coming out of the locker room, people uh, sitting in the stands really high, so it gives them more access to get better visuals. And, you know, the um, the story of this game, uh, at least sort of on the field, is pretty obvious. We know the storylines, but the crowd... Uh, particularly at a historic place like Bryant-Denny, will be a factor. And so, you know, they're in talking to them. They want to make sure that they're able to capture everything. They'll obviously get some sound and check things out before the game when uh, the fans do Sweet Home Alabama. So um, it's a big game for them. You know, not just uh, Danielson and Nestler and Jamie Rodell have sort of pressure on them, but the people behind the scenes who you never meet you know, faces you'd never recognize. Uh, there's pressure on them, and they take this stuff very seriously. 
You know, it is interesting in what you said because you're right. Uh, the director and the producer, they've done big games in the past. They've done big Alabama games. They've done big Alabama LSU games. But it is interesting when you know, like, this one is going to be different because I, I hearken back, and we probably talked about it years ago because we've been uh, talking with you over the years when we hosted the NHL All Star game here. And I've done thousands of radio shows. This is year seven of me doing. Uh, pre and post and intermissions on the Predators Radio Network. Do basically 100 hockey games a year. Willie does all the stuff on the TV side. And so, you know, you just it's you just that's what you do. Just like you writing, I mean, just that's what we've done for a long time, but I I also admitted that when we carried that on this radio station and we carried it on the Armed Forces Network and satellite and it was going to be broadcast in I don't know, remember how many countries and there were going to be millions of people listening i i tried not to i tried to block that out and be like just do what you've always done but it was you just can't do that like you know it's something different and probably in my case something i'll never be on that stage again yeah i mean you know the one thing on the writer's end is when you're covering a big game you know whether it's a super bowl or a championship or a final or something like that you know you want to try to oftentimes write for to you know, write a piece that lives up to the moment, or write a piece that lives up to the magnitude of the event. And that's hard. That puts extra pressure on you. And it's really hard to try to avoid, you know, getting caught up in that in your head. And you know, I mean, talking talk to a lot of people on television. One of the things they try to do. It's not easy, of course. Is they really try to just talk to the camera because if you start to think about how many people are actually watching the game, you'll you really sort of the brain can't process it. You know, if one sure. of these guys like Jim Nance or Al Michaels, Joe Buck, you can't think like 110 million people are watching you when you're doing a Super Bowl. <laughs> you just, you'd lose your mind. So yeah. I think, you know, from talking to those guys, what they try to do is they, they, they try to really talk to the camera as best they can. They focus on the people who are around them, stage manager, partner, producer, director, and try not to, uh, you know, try not to think of, the bigger picture, but the reality is for some of these events, I mean, you know, your work's being seen by millions and millions of people or read by that many. And it's not easy. Uh, you know, the, um, there's no doubt. I'm sure we all know people in the business who had to probably change careers because the, um, you know, because the, um, the stress of thinking about who was reading or who was watching them for some, just, it's just a little too much. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, by the way, those guys you mentioned, Nance and Romo probably are in our city right now. They're getting ready for Sunday's game, Titans and Chiefs. Yeah. So they'll, they'll be doing that game. Um, I wanted to ask you because, you know, a lot of times at the workplace when you get the uh, obligatory staff email, goes out to everybody, we want to wish this person um, best in their future endeavors, but they are no longer with the company, and that's basically it. That usually tells you if that's all they say about that person, like it ended very poorly or weird, or it's 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 not it's not good because sometimes you know it's different. You get nice words said by the general manager or what have you, somebody important in the company. Well, it looks like Fox has kind of done that with Chris Carter. Like we wish him the best in his future endeavors, and that's about all we're going to say about that matter. That tells me something was probably not good going on behind the scenes. What do you know? Yeah, I. That, yeah, I don't know much, honestly. You know, I don't know much more than what's been reported, and I'm actually not so sure what's been reported is close to the full story. But hmm. guy, let's just put it this way. People who are 
part of um, of sports networks lineups, and even if that show wasn't getting necessarily a lot of viewership, it's still part of their permanent lineup. They don't make radical changes like this quick, or just or dramatic changes. Maybe is the more uh, correct thing. You know, you know, guys don't sit out for a couple of days of shows, and then all of a sudden you see an email from PR saying, you know, he's no longer with the company. We wish him well. So something clearly happened. Um, for me to, you know, the, if you want to Google, there's some sort of speculation out there. But again, um, I don't. I wouldn't really be comfortable sort of throwing it out there because I don't know. But the one thing, having covered this stuff in the past, is um, it's not some small dispute. It's not something minor because these companies um, don't just dismiss people like that because legal gets involved. There are contracts that have to be broken. You're not going to do that unless something significant happened. What that significant thing is, I honestly do not know. Um, you know, and if you're Chris Carter, what you probably have to think about at this point is do you want, you know, is it something you want public? If you have an issue with Fox letting you go, do you mention it? In Fox's case, it's probably best for them not to say anything again because they got contractual terms and stuff like that. My, um, you know, my only thing is something will come out. Will the, will the truth of what actually happened come out? I never really know, but more, there'll be more to the story coming out because, again, people just do not get dismissed sort of out of hand with no real explanation. Richard Deitch from The Athletic is here with us, and uh, I was reading in the, in the media circus on The Athletic um, that, you know, that Fox is considering putting a former umpire in the booth. They kind of started the trend with the NFL, with Mike Pereira, you know, former ref, and, and then the other networks followed suit. But an umpire in the booth is interesting. What are the chances that you give that? Well, I think for the postseason, it would be really, really smart, and certainly for the World Series. That seems like additive value for the viewer. I think Fox for sure wants to do it. It's not a question of whether Fox wants to do it. I think the holdup is baseball at the moment and the umpires union who probably seem to use probably, but I think are a little bit concerned or reticent about somebody being on national television questioning an umpire's decision. Where I think that's kind of foolish on baseball's part would be these conversations are already happening and we've seen this in other sports. If I'm a sport commissioner, I'd rather have somebody in the booth as a former official who could at least provide some perspective and intelligence on why this call was made or what's the difficulty with this call. I think that educates a viewer, um, you know, which is what Pereira has done, and I think Gene Steratore has been really, really good for CBS. Uh, and these guys, generally speaking, they don't go out there and bury the refs. They, they sort of just explain to you what happened, how they would view it, and then if it turns out that the the, the refs viewed it differently. Well, then you at home can sort of make the judgment as to whether like someone like Pereira was correct in terms of his interpretation or somebody on the field. So I think it's a no-brainer. I think it would be very helpful. It's not going to be something that's going to be nearly – we're not going to see these guys nearly as much as we see the NFL because just baseball doesn't provide that many um, you know, controversial or decision-making calls. But I think you know, for the World Series, I just think it would be smart to have somebody like that around for the maybe one time in a game you know, you can bring them in and explain stuff. So uh, I think Fox would love it. I think Fox wants to enhance their broadcast. The question is, you know, is, will baseball give the green light or maybe even more specifically will the umpires just sort of give the green light? Richard, you're, you're in Toronto in, a, in an NBA market familiar with Kawhi Leonard. What do you make of this whole load management situation and, and how can that affect the league and the networks in their relationship? 
Yeah, I, I'm sort of I'm in the minority here. I know what the majority opinion is, but I, I I'm for load management. I I think that these sports are really really hard on people's bodies, and 82 games is is in my opinion just it's it's too much in the regular season for NBA players. Now, can they play all of them? Of course, but I would rather my players be um, be in a position come postseason to be at their best, be at their healthiest, and play. I understand that fans are really ticked off and disappointed, especially if you buy a ticket for a game and then you find out uh, down the road that you know one of the star players isn't playing. I get why the NBA is mad, and obviously the television networks are going to be ticked off because if Kawhi Leonard's not in the game, the rating is going to be down. But I feel like at the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard owes uh, his health to one person, Kawhi Leonard. And the Clippers, by extension, have to do what is best for them to win a title. Um, I don't know what the solution is. I personally think the solution would be to reduce the regular season games. Thank you. You know, the counter would be, well, if you reduce the regular season games, then the players will get paid less. All right, well, so the players get okay, paid less. Okay, right. And I'm sure, yeah, my guess is they'll probably like come around and be like, that's okay. Uh, but that's the solution. I mean, it's just these guys are so big now, so athletic. The game, in particular basketball, is so fast and physical that it's not – made for that kind of pounding for 82 games. And, you know, and so don't want to hear like, oh, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, you know, George Mikan would have never missed a game. One, that's nonsense. Go do your research. Go back. They did. And two, the game's different. You know, you, Zion Williamson's a cyborg. You know, you're not dealing with guys <laughs> like that in, 19, in 1958. So the game has changed. It's a physical game. It's a taxing game. So I, I have no problem with it. And again, I'm um, I live in a city where I saw this play out every single day last year. How did it end up? Who won that title? I think exactly. you've got to protect the guy. Yeah, that's it. So you, I think you are in the minority. But I, I was – you hit my follow-up as, as we wrap this up is, okay, then why isn't there more discussion of – then just get rid of some of these games. I mean, you don't need – if they if they can't do it, then – Make I don't know what the number is. Is it 70? Is it 68? I, I don't know what the number is, but th- make it a number where you don't have – it seems like it's the back-to-back games, right? That's the ones where they're like, he's not going to play in back-to-back games, and so you eliminate that by reducing the schedule, and you don't ever have them play back-to-back nights. Yeah, I mean, listen, the leagues don't want to do it because it's going to be less television money. Right. I mean, that's what they think at the end of the day. But here would be my counter to Adam Silver or to Rob Manfred – and certainly I think Roger Goodell already knows this. Networks will always threaten to say we're going to pay less money for less games. At the end of the day, call that bluff because you're going to win. Why? Because there's always new people in the market who want this product. Now, it might not go to nearly as many people as you want it to if you move from an ESPN or a Turner, but trust me, if the NBA rights, for example, were up for grabs and DAZN had a shot at them, DAZN would pay more than ESPN. They'd break the bank. So there's always going to be money out there. And I think in that kind of game of chicken, if I was the league, I would not be so worried that the TV networks are going to pay me less because the one thing that's a truism in sports, sports media rights always go up. Yeah, good point. Hey, good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. Have a great weekend. You got it. It's good to be with you guys. Richard Deitch from The Athletic. That's where you can find his work, and we do appreciate him joining us. We'll come back and wrap up the second hour of Darren, Donnick, and Chase next. Now, we made our picks yesterday, Silly Underdogs, at noon. We had a lot of fun, as always. You, the listeners, you know playing along with us, you get three picks every single week. 
Go to thegamenashville.com, or you can make your picks at the ESPN The Game Nashville mobile app. Play along with us. Three picks. Weekly winners from here on out. Win a pair of tickets to the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. That'll be at Nissan Stadium on December 30th. Silly, silly underdog picks every week brought to you by Volunteer Hose and Gaskets. So we have a lot of fun with that. Wish we could make three picks. I don't know if Chase and I would have a win. Mm, I would maybe. say so. I would say. I would like I feel to better about our chances. If we picked three every week and not one, we would have a victory or two or three. Maybe. Maybe, We'd that's, be- maybe that's wishful thinking. Where would Chris Sanders like, be? How pathetic would we be? If we were 0 for 3 for the season every week. <laughs> like, that would be embarrassing. We, we would bad. not be able to make an appearance on Silly Underdogs because Kelly and Chris especially would just rip us a new one. They already do. They would destroy can you imagine us. imagine with that? Well, Nick's not exactly gentle either. No, but Nick, he's... He does he try to... spots. Yeah, he does. And he tries to like also... He tried to troll you this week with the Notre Dame. But, and, then, but then he comes in and he also gives you a hug. Like yeah. he like kicks you and then he comes with... He finishes with a hug. Right. Is, that, hug, a, is that a good He hugs you and then like punches you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the... <laughs> or something like or that. Or kicks you in the... Yeah, he's while he's hugging you, he just gives you a knee. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like exactly. a half... It's like half genuine, half... A jerk, yeah. yeah, yeah, jerk, Philly Nick. So anyway, I hope <laughs> Philly Nick. That's right. I hope, um, hope people play along with us. Our numbers have been fantastic this year. So, what what do you make of load management? What do you make of th- this? Has obviously become a a huge yeah. topic on the NBA side, and you know, I, I think honestly, it should be a huge topic in in all the sports uh, outside of football. Because the I, I've said for a long, long time, you do not need 162 games yep. to determine who should be playing extra baseball. You just don't. You don't need anywhere near that. I'm sorry. I th- I have always said, you know, go back to like 145, play some more double headers. I, I would never, ever, um, I would finish, I was going to say never see the month of November, but really they don't anyway anymore, the way they've tried to configure it. Um, but I, I just, I would end things earlier and get on with it. Yeah. And I'd have more like in baseball, I'd have more scheduled double headers and yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. More double headers, more double headers and uh, trim off, get down to like one forty-five. Sure. It's and, fine. And get on with it. Here's the, here's what has caused all this. And I think all we deserve a part of the blame. We being the fans, because we want more and more and more and more and more. And now with the TV networks growing like they have and you have more ways of watching. I mean, used to, like with college football, you had, what, three games a day or on a Saturday? You had the 2.30 game. and Do the fans want more, 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 or do the networks want more, more? Oh, I think I there think, are fans that want more, more, more. I think it's more networks. Well, maybe so, but, but there mean, are definitely... But watch baseball games in September with teams that well, have... Well, I'm talking about all sports. I'm not just talking about baseball. I'm talking about all sports. Like college football, I mean, we live and breathe college football and the fact that you can watch six games at one time Yeah, but i'm excluding i'm excluding football from this because it is the short window okay schedule i'm talking about the ones with 82 or 162 okay those seasons i still think there are fans that want to be able to to watch all the games so networks yes i'm putting a lot of that on the networks of growing you know how can we make more money it's all about the money 
the leagues, it's the same way. Okay, how do we get our cut? But what people fail to realize is there was a time where, okay, 82 games made sense. It was a different league, like Richard said. The athletes are so much better now. We know more about – I was listening to the, the morning guys, and Braden said, we know more about the human body than we ever have. And that that's both good and bad. That goes into training as well. There are just different ways to train, and so these athletes are bigger and stronger and faster – but while that puts on a better product, it also wears them down even more. So I I kind of understand that you got to have some maintenance days. You got to have some days off. And I know it's very different. Like, you know, they, they also said that we get vacation days, we get sick days. Okay, doing radio or doing a nine to five job is a little bit different than playing in the NBA. I mean, you play essentially for an hour a night. The, the time is an, an hour. I know the game's obviously go longer and you have days off in between but at the same time it's a long season so I kind of understand where the players are coming from I don't know necessarily how you fix it because I think at this point the if TNT you know if the NBA goes to TNT and ESPN and say hey we're gonna play 72 games and not 82 they'd be like whoa whoa okay well, you gotta give us some money back then we paid a lot of money for 82 games we, we need some money back that's where you get you know get into a little bit of an issue but if the players, you know, the players are like, hey, listen, my my knee, I feel my knee every night. I need to give it a break. Do you do you want to push it or do you want Kawhi Leonard available for the playoffs? That's the question. I know, but the, but you're then once again, the people that lose are the people that basically because the network. Look, let's let's be honest. TV is the reason sports is blown up to what it is. It's the TV contracts. Mm-hmm. That's why it's blown up all this. It's because of the TV contracts, period. So you hurt them when they sit, and you. What about the fans? No, and I know because I'm a victim of that. Well, I went. Uh, I sat courtside. Is it Derek D. Mace is a victim of that? Yeah. You are. Basically, everybody who has gone to an NBA game in the last four years has fell victim to that. I went to a game in Dallas between the the Golden State Warriors and the Mavericks. It was the year that Golden State lost nine games. I saw one of the losses because Steph Curry didn't play. And I was, look, I mean, I was disappointed because I was like, hey, this is one of the best players in basketball. I'd love to see him play. And he had a, an ankle thing, so they kept him out. And they lost. But I don't have an issue with today's, and Richard said, Zion Williamson, the cyborg. I, I, yeah. I don't have a problem with players saying and protecting their bodies for stretch runs and the important games. I, I don't have an issue with that, but I just think if that's the case and that is the direction of today's athlete, and how the approach with teams and organizations and training staffs and players of, hey, preserve, preserve, preserve for the bigger picture, then I would say, then why are you playing X amount of games? Then then trim, trim, and trim. Well, there's no point in it then. Then trim. Right. Well, why do you need to have these? If you're saying the bodies can't handle that type of a season, then trim what's wrong with that yeah, I don't, and, and i agree with that because i also think i just think seasons are too long in general like baseball's too long basketball hockey they're all too long i'm a racing fan nascar is way too long and and i i think that you could probably get more interest in these sports if you reduce the seasons and spread them out where okay you're always going to have something that you like but you're not getting as much of an overlap and the seasons aren't dragging on and on and on. 
Because, I mean, how many times of you and I covering the Predators do we talk about the dog days of February? Because that you get into that point after the All-Star break, and it's like, uh, almost there, can see the playoffs, they're almost here, but you're just powering through. It's like that for players, it's like that for fans. Yeah, you mean like game 59 and yeah. game 61? Yeah. I mean, look, and I'm not asking anybody to feel sympathy for, for anyone on this, but you know, we get tired. <laughs> it's just like... Let's just get there. Let's just get to the playoffs. And I think it's like that in a lot of different sports. So I, I'm with you for a variety of reasons. I, I'm fine with reducing the season and cutting some games off. I just think in the, all those teams that are completely out of it too, like their fan bases. I mean, you you watch some of the, you watch September baseball game like the Pirates and the Orioles and just bad baseball teams. Yikes! Who's there besides the vendors? No, no, Max. Max. No, you're not there. Come on. No answer. No one. It is. I mean, and how do you same think thing that with feels NBA for the players? Teams. I mean, toward the end of the game, seventy four for an NBA team that is way out of it. It's had an awful year. Who? I who went at those games. I went to a game in December in Atlanta a few years ago. It was the Hawks and the Wizards, and you could have picked your seat. It was like a Friday, Friday or Saturday night. Pick your seat because the the Hawks were just terrible, so nobody was there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, what is this like for the? I mean, do the players care? I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. like, but what's it like to walk out there and play in front of nobody? Yeah, you can hear the basketball yeah. bouncing everywhere. Yeah. You can yell across. Hey, hey. what's up? Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> All right, we'll come back, kick off the third hour with you. Just made the list. Tell us who or what is on your list next.